Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. That was repulsive to me. You give me rules like of some fraternity that I ain't commit to. I ain't in that. I ain't Christian. So it's very unattractive when you go at Christians with rules. This is why. With non-Christians, I'm sorry. Because the Bible says that God works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. They don't want to do what God wants, and they don't have the power to do it if they wanted to. So you just condemn, that's condemning people. That's just putting people down. So when you're dealing with a non-believer, keep it gospel. I want to tell you the good news. I want you to know what Jesus did for you. If you accept the Christ's gift of salvation, that change of heart should be reflected in your actions and attitudes. If it's not, your fellow believers need to come alongside of you and help guide you into a life that glorifies our Savior. But as Pastor Bill will explain in today's message, before someone comes to Christ, we can't hold them to the same expectations. You can lovingly point out the destructions of their ways, but chiefly, they need to know that Jesus loves them as they are and wants to save them from their sin. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 5 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Why do we pursue holiness? Why do we want their things to be right? Because, because of what Jesus did for us. Verse eight, therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And so again, Paul's still playing on this analogy of the Passover. They had the Passover meal. They had the Passover bread. They had to be unleavened. Um, it was sanctified. It was, you know, Christ is our Passover. He was sacrificed for us. And he said, look, let's not keep this feast, right, with old leaven. Let's get this out of here. And so for anybody here today that's, that you got some old leaven, you got some sin, you got some things, maybe it's been there a long time, right? God brought you here today to help you, right? Uh, whenever I go in, I'm, and I'm going to go in on some of these sins, I want to just say it up front. I never do it. Uh, it's, it's, there's no goal. There's no joy in making anybody feel bad. But the goal would be truth. That would bring us to conviction, would cause us to repent, that, that God would be pleased. That's the goal. That's always the goal. No one feels good about revealing or pointing out someone else's sin. Um, that's never, that's, what's, there's, no, there's no victory or joy in that. The goal would be, though, if God could put a finger on the issues that are hindering you from being all that he wants you to be, hindering you from maybe even making it to heaven, hindering you from being right to him. God can put a finger on that, bring conviction about that so that you repent about that. You will be so thankful for the rest of your life that he did that, that you were convicted about that. And I'll just say this real quick. When I when I first gave my life to Christ and me, you guys have heard my testimony, but this this piece of it, I've always been thankful for. Obviously, the person that prayed with me and shared with me and was leading, you know, sharing the gospel with me. But um, he, he was such a new believer. I said, OK, I don't want to go. There. I want to get saved. He was like, well, you got to wait till Sunday and go to church. And I went to church with him that Sunday and I went to Calvary South Bay at a night service. And afterwards, I, I, you know, I, I wanted to go talk to a pastor. I want to make sure I was saved. So I'm like, I'm going to go forward. Whatever I need to do, I'm going to go talk to the guy in the back. And I went back there and I wish I knew the guy. I never know who he was. I can't remember his name or, even, you know, any of those things. But I remember what he told me. I said, you know, I told him, I said, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to know I'm saved. And I said, so I'm going to just give you my life. I said, um, you know, I, I drink every day. I sell weed. I live with a girl. You know, I know it's probably not right. You know, my mom, because my mom would tell me, you shacked up, you know, um, I, anyway, I just, so I, I just told him all my life, this is everything I got going on. So what, I'm, what do I need to do? And he like took a deep breath and he said, all right. He said, um, he gave me a little mini sermonette on counting the cost. 
You know, he says, is, is any of that stuff you love so much that, that you wouldn't let it go? And I'm like, no. I said, just, I don't, I mean, I want to know what things, can I still drink a little bit? You know, can I turn in my 44 tall can? You know, can I, can I reduce it? You know, and, um, and he just walked me through. He said, you know, some of those things God's going to help you with over time, but it's a decision that you need to make now. Are you willing to turn from those things? And I'm like, yeah, I'm willing to turn from that. I'm willing to, you know, try to find a job. And one big piece was, he said, the girl that you're living with. He said, is, is that somebody that you would marry? I'm like, no, we hate each other. <laughs> we just got a baby. Together. I mean, that was the truth. We, we hate each other. I couldn't stand her. She couldn't stand me. I was cheating on her. She probably was cheating on me. It was just, we had a baby. And he said then, and I said, now nah, I'm giving my life to the Lord. She's she, she not interested in this at all. He said, okay, well then, are you willing to break that off? I was like, the challenge was not really letting her go. It was letting her in because she was going to take my baby with her, you know. But I'm like, if that's what I need to do. And I remember going home that day and um, he prayed with me and I was I was I was committed. So I went home and I'm like, hey, I got saved in my life to God. Uh, I'm not going to have sex with you no more. Um, we're going to get rid of this apartment so you can move out or I can move out. And I won't share everything that happened. But, it, you know, the police had to come. You know, I got stuff thrown at me, <laughs> you know. And but by the end of that day, I was there in that apartment in Hawthorne alone, no longer in that particular sin. That was the beginning of God, you know, just beginning to work, you know, and I look back to that and I look back and I'm glad. I, I think if I had went home that day and just continued going on, if the guy hadn't highlighted for me that, you know, that's not OK for you to continue to live like that, then I would have continued to live like that. And I don't know, I it, it probably wouldn't have been I wouldn't have had a good start. But the start to my walk with God was kind of radical and it needed to be because I needed a lot of help. And I believe God had a plan for my life that didn't include a lot of what I was previously doing. So to some of you guys, God has a plan for your life and it doesn't include some of the things that you're clinging to right now. Some of you already know that you're clinging to things in sin. You're clinging to them in rebellion for whatever reason. You know, for me, it was because because it was, it was my daughter, you know, and I just want to lose my daughter. But at the end of the day, um, God was I'm, I'm, I'm coming to save you. I'm drawing you to myself. I got to trust God with all the rest of the outcome of all the stuff I created in my life when I wasn't saved. I got to let God have that. Lord, you're in charge. And I'm, I'm, I'm 20 years in, you guys. I got saved in 1995. And I, I, can, I can say this. I can testify. I don't regret for a second. Whatever, though, the things that were so difficult, letting go of and all of that then, I'm so glad that I didn't cling to them. I'm so glad. I, I, I'm, I'm thankful Deeply, deeply thankful that that's just the past and that the things that God is doing now are the things he's doing. Now, I met my wife two months later because God is gracious and God knew I was going to be bad single and he gave me hope. <laughs> I'm just that's probably the case. I think, you know, I think I got a wife right away because I had some issues and God was like, let me give you hope. I'm going to give he brought me a woman that was like, you know, don't come at me like that. You know, Mika was different. Mika, I met. You know, I met a lot of girls that were like, I don't do, I don't get down. But she was like, if you even come at me like that, we can't be friends. And it was like, really? <laughs> she meant that. So I was like, I like her. Woo you know, <laughs> I'm interested, you know. And, and probably her, she wasn't sure that I was really saved. So she kind of kept me at a little bit of a distance, even though I knew she liked me. So I'm like, but you like me, though, because you keep calling me back. But she keeps me at a distance. Like, you know, not, she's not giving her heart away yet. So I'm like... So I'm constantly having to show her I am saved. Like, do you see me in this book? You got to memorize a whole verse, doggone it. You know, so all of that, as I look back, was God just saying, you know, there, he, he's so gracious, you guys. God's not mean. 
And you may do some difficult things, right, to remove yourself from sin that's preventing God from doing what he wants to do in your life. But this is the thing that I realized. I didn't get to experience what God would do while continuing to do the old stuff. It wasn't until I let go of that stuff that God showed me what he would do. And so for you guys that are here today, that's a struggle and a battle, right? I'm, I'm encouraging you today in the love of Christ that you would, today would be for you a day where you would repent, right? You make the decision today, God, I'm gonna let this go. And I'm, I'm gonna need your help, but I'm gonna let this go that I might begin to walk in a way that you want, that I might get to experience what you do have. So you wouldn't be dragging along for another year what he doesn't have for you. Because some of y'all are clenching on to something that he does not have for you. Um, and so you can't, guys, I can't bring you what I have for you like that. If I had met my wife, if I had hung on two months too long to, to the girl I was with, and I'd have met Mika, that would have been a no-go. That would have been a no-go. It was almost a no-go already. So, you know, it would have absolutely been a no-go. So, moving on, though. Let's go. Um, verse 9, right? Paul, Paul had previously written them a letter, and that one is not recorded. It's not, you know, in the canon of Scripture. But he said, I wrote to you in my epistle to, um, not to keep company with sexually immoral people. But they have misunderstood what Paul said. Paul said, yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of the world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. So Paul said, look, when I, I called you not to be in fellowship with, not to keep company with people that are living in immorality. He said, I'm not talking about non-believers. You have to leave the planet Earth. So we should hang out. I, I can hang out with somebody not saved living in sin or whatever kind of thing, because I'm, I'm going to be a witness to them, if that's the goal. If, if my goal in hanging out with you is I'm a, I want to love on you and I want to be a witness to you, I got what you need and I got a relationship with you, I want to spend time with you to do so. But you'll see right now that the rule is different concerning someone that's named a Christian. So when it's a non-believer, never mind what their particular sins are. Those are symptoms of the fact that they don't know Christ yet. You just... You keep preaching Jesus to them and loving them and sharing the gospel and throwing out the line and praying that God will capture their heart. You know, that he'll win them to themselves. So that's what non-believers. Are we clear on that? Yeah. Non-believers in your life, please love them. Don't go at them about their sin. That's the most ineffective thing you can do to a non-believer because they don't have the Holy Spirit. When people when I wasn't saved and people would tell me Christian stuff, you shouldn't be drinking like that. <laughs> Why not? You shouldn't be living with that girl. I, that's, I have people tell me, you're shacking up. That's a sin. Not for me. I mean, I'm doing worse things than this. Y'all don't even know. This is just barely, I'm scratching the surface, right? I'm not saved. That's not my issue. You can't talk to me. I was, that was repulsive to me. You give me rules uh, like, uh, of some fraternity that I ain't commit to. I ain't in that. I ain't Christian. So it's very unattractive when you go at Christians with rules. This is why. With non-Christians, I'm sorry. Because the Bible says that God works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. They don't want to do what God wants and they don't have the power to do it if they wanted to. So you just condemn. That's condemning people. That's just putting people down. So when you're dealing with a non-believer, keep it gospel. I want to tell you the good news. I want you to know what Jesus did for you. That's what I do for a non-believer. Now it changes when we're talking about a Christian. Now look at verse 11. He says, but now I have written to you. Not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner. He said not even to eat with such a person. Let me run through this list real quick. 
not to keep company, right? That means I'm not hanging out with you. We're not fellowshipping. We're not kicking it like everything is cool. I don't, I'm not knowing that you're living in sin and we're kicking it like everything is all copacetic. You know, if you're a Christian, right? If you're a Christian and you're named a brother or sister in Christ and you're living like that, when we come together, we're going to be talking about that. Hey, what's up? That, that's what we got one thing to talk about. So you're, gonna, you're not going to want to hang out with me anyway. Um, but, but this is not right. You can't continue like this, right? He says, now this is the list. Someone named a brother who is sexually immoral. If I can lay it out for you guys. Sexual, sexual immoral here, the word in the Greek is pornea. It's a broad term to deal with all forms of sexual sin. So I'm going to lay them out. Sexual sin, sex outside of marriage. So if it's someone that's married to this person, having sex with that person, that's sexual sin. It's called adultery. Someone who is not married to anybody having sex with somebody is fornication. Um, somebody who's sitting at a desk looking at pornography uh, and, and, and masturbating, which happens, that's form of sexual sin as well. That's, that's another illicit sexual activity. All these forms of sex outside of a marital relationship is sexual immorality. It could be by yourself. It could be with somebody. It could be with two same sex people, two opposite sex people. It's outside of the confines, the blessing of marriage. It's a sin that that, that all that encompasses sexual morality. So it's not just one thing. It's all that. So if you're here and any of these would apply, right, the Holy Spirit would be calling you to repent of those things. That God doesn't want us to continue in sexual immorality. Now, this is the thing he's saying. If, if I'm hanging out with, if I'm hanging out with one of my brothers in Christ, and we're hanging out, and I know that this dude is having sex with his girlfriend, and they're not married, and they're fornicating, and I'm like, we're not just gonna kick it like everything is cool, man, and just talk about the Lakers and the, the, new, the new stadium they build. And it's like, no, nah, bro, I'm concerned for you. How can you live like that? And you saved. I, I, you know, are you saved? Are you convicted? You want help? Are you, do you want to repent? I know I, now I've had people come to me and say, man, I messed up. I, I got I fell back into pornography, man. I fell into sin over the weekend. I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. That's different. That's so different. That's when someone comes confessing. Um, I believe this. The Holy Spirit's at work. Right. Why did they come tell me? They ain't got to tell me. I'm not God. They're uncomfortable in their sin. And they saying, I got to confess it. I want to I want to get it out. So that means that God's already at work. You come behind that person and just help them out. Let me walk with you, brother. You know, we're not we're not putting you on blast. We're not embarrassing you. You confessing. I'm going to pray for you. James 5, 17. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. I'm going to walk with you, pray with you, share with you, and I'm going to keep tabs on you. We can keep in touch with you and see how you're doing and hopefully walk you back into a place of spiritual health. That's what we do for one another. That's a different scenario than the guy saying, yeah, man, why you? That's not right. I, you know, I know it's not right, man, but I, you know, she just, I, I just gonna, that's what I'm going to do. So you're just going to stay like that. But we're not going to, I can't keep, keep kicking it with you. Right. There's a, there's a, that's it's someone that's opting to continue that way. Now, the hot topic in our culture is the homosexual thing. Um, there are churches that are saying, hey, you could be a homosexual Christian. So long as you're faithful to that one same sex person, who can judge, right? That, I'm, I'm gonna just help us all out, right? I, 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 it's, it's, it's not true. It's not true. Homosexuality is a sin. God didn't create it to be that way. God didn't create our bodies. I mean, look at your anatomy, right? God did some miraculous. I mean, he, he hooked it up, y'all. You can only really have good sex with somebody of the opposite sex. The way that's how God made us. 
He made the woman's body does certain things. I don't want to ruin. I don't want to stumble the single people. But, you know, God made it to where, you know, the thing works. Everything works out. When you take a man and a woman, you take two of the same thing. And it's like, man, it's, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't work. You know, it's our anatomy tells us that's just not right. It's not right. So haven't said that. <laughs> It's, 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 it's another form of rebellion against what God, what God created. Um, now, we do two things in our culture. We either try to make it okay or we demonize it. So some people will be really hard on homosexual sin and real light on heterosexual sin. I mean, they'll preach, everybody that's homosexual will preach them into hell with a church full of people living together, fornicating, and let them be. So that's wrong too. That's wrong, too. It's misleading. All sexual sin, all of it. God wants us to repent of all of it. It all damages us. It all, all of it causes us to not be the men and women God wants us to be. Um, and someone that lives habitually in it, uh, according to Galatians 5, you can't inherit the kingdom of God like that. So we need to repent of it. Now, this is the cool thing, right? This is the good news. God's able to cleanse you. He's able to forgive you and he's able to renew you. Um, many of us here lived in sexual sin. I did. I lived in sexual sin my entire life as a non-believer. And God changed me from the inside out. I credit, I don't take credit for it. I don't say, you know, I didn't, I didn't make I didn't change myself, but God, God worked in me. God helped me do what I could not do. And so I know that it's possible. I know that people can change. I know that God will work his works in us. It's a matter of us coming to him and being real, saying, God, this is a struggle for me. I need help. Right. So once again, when he says here not to even keep company with someone named a brother and he says who is you know, sexually immoral, he lists some other things, covetous, someone that just they just greedy for money, you know, living in there, they're sinning for money, an idolater, somebody that's worshiping something other than God as God, a reviler, somebody that's always contentious and fighting and getting into it with folks. Not every once in a while. That's just their that's their way of life. Everywhere you go, they're getting into it with people. Guys, don't hang out with them. How you saved? Are you fighting with everybody? What's wrong with you? Well, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit ain't tell you that's wrong. Um, you know, I, anyway, so a, revival, a drunkard, someone that's addicted to alcohol, getting drunk. Um, man, we, how we gonna hang, right? You need to repent of that. Say you need help. Say you know what's wrong. But don't say it's okay and I'm saved and I'm gonna keep doing it. That's not true. That's not, and I can't hang out with you. Tell me I'm struggling. Tell me I know this is wrong. I need help. But you tell me that I'm doing this and I know God's words to this, but I'm going to keep doing it. Then how are we fellowshipping? Fellowshipping around what? Because to me, Jesus is Lord. To you, Jesus is uh, he's not Lord. He's something less than Lord. Uh, so we, we, we want to we help people out. Now, verse 12. For what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Right. What business do I have judging nonbelievers? None. Why? Do you not judge those who are inside? Because that's our business in here. Our business is dealing with the church of God, right? We, we deal with one another. We're, we're to judge here. We're to, we're to make a difference here. We're not to be out there judging the world. And that's what some people do. They get out there and it's like, that group is doing this and they're doing that. Don't be judging the world. God says the, the judgment is going to begin in the house of God. We want to get this thing in here right. Amen? Last verse 13, he says, but those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. So last thing he says, he says, now, the people outside the church, outside of God, God judges. He'll deal with that. 
He says, but for you guys in the church, it put away from yourselves. Now he says the evil person. Right? Why are they evil? Why would he characterize them as evil? It's, they're not evil because they're weak. They're not evil because they're struggling with sin. They're evil because they're choosing in rebellion to God in his face. God, I know you said this, but I'm going to do that. God said, then put them out. Put them out. Go ahead and let them. You want the world? You want to do it the world's way? Then go on out there in the world and do it until you're sick of it. And when you're sick of it and broken over it and, and you've had, you've done, and you're ready to repent, then come back. Right? That's the, that's the biblical perspective on it. So in closing, I'm going to say this to us, right? Now, I don't know everybody here, right? I don't know all of our situations. I don't know what everybody got going on in private and secret and everything else. But I do know we live in a very carnal, wicked, dark society. And if you're here among us today and there's some ongoing sin in your life that you've chosen, you know it's wrong. Right? No one need to tell you nothing. You already know it's wrong. If you're here and you live with someone you're not married to and you're sleeping with them on a regular basis, wrong. If you're here and you're dating like people in the world date and you meet somebody at the club and y'all do the thing and you're wrong. If you're here and you're doing homosexual, you're in homosexuality, you practice those sins, wrong. If you're an alcoholic, if you're getting, doing on drugs, all those things, it's wrong. So what do we do? Right? What do we do with the wrong? This is, this is where the gospel comes in, you guys, where it's so important, right? Because um, all those things may be happening in some people's hearts and lives. Um, it would be wrong. God never points out a flaw just to say, naughty, naughty. Don't you feel bad? That's not God. Right? God is saying, I want you to know that's wrong. But I want you to know what I did for it, right? This is what God did for you, for me, right? All the sins I was doing when I wasn't saved, they were wrong. I was a, I was a mess. And God did for me what he did for you, right? He said, Bill, I love you. And all your sins, all your flaws, all your weaknesses, I've taken them upon myself. And I went to the cross. When I went to the cross, I went with you in mind. That's for everybody here. He went to the cross with all of us in mind. He took our sins upon himself. And it says he paid in full. He paid the penalty for my sins. That if I would believe in him, if I would trust in him, he would forgive me. He would cleanse me. He would give me life everlasting. He also would give me his Holy Spirit. Help me to, trans to help me to make the transition. Right. I would never become holy on my own. So God said, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to help you do what you can never do in your own strength. And then as you we call it sanctification. Then as your life gets cleaned up, then as God is on the inside convicting you of sin and the, it's the internal conviction that makes you begin to hate what you used to love. And then you hate it enough. You're like, God, help me stop this. I hate that. I used to love it, but now I hate it. And you start asking God to help you. And you find he's helping you and you get better and, and, and you start walking stronger and having victory. And then after a while, you get further on down the line. God will have you turn around and pull somebody else. There'll be somebody else that's where you were. You'll be able to help them out. You'll be, you'll be a witness to them of what God can do. Uh, a, test of, a testimony to them of, of, the, of the Lord can change you. He can do it. Step one, though, it's true for everybody here, is we have to come to Jesus. You got to come in sincerity. You got to come in truth. So I believe that among us, there could be two groups. There could be people here that are not saved yet, that need to give their life to Christ to begin with. So today we invite you, right? So today would be for you a day where you would say yes to Jesus. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I receive you as Lord and you receive his forgiveness of your sins and you just begin a walk and a relationship with him today. Then there could be people that are here that you're saved, but you have been living in some area of sin and rebellion for you. Today would be a day to repent. And there's a verse in Proverbs 28, verse 13 it says, he who covers his sins will not prosper, won't be blessed. He who confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. God wants to have mercy on all of us. 
And he said, you confess it and forsake it. He'll have mercy on you. And he wants to. And so maybe you're here and you say, I've been hiding this. I've been struggling with it. Would you let today be a day where you come out of the dark, come into the light, and let the Lord help you? First Corinthians touches on how the city of Corinth was rampant with idolatry and immorality, not too different from cities of today. Does this mean that you run away and isolate yourself from the sinful world? No, but Paul's letter did communicate that as a Christian, it's important to live a life that's upright and pure before God, even in the midst of a dark and sinful world. When the pressure is great, your opportunity to contrast the dark with light can be even greater. How does one do this with all the influences pressing in? Keep looking to the Word of God for direction in all things. If you're seeking some assistance with where to read, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word on a daily basis. Look on our website, CalvaryInglewood.org. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through 1 Corinthians. Before we go, we'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry financially. Any amount is appreciated. These teachings are broadcast on the radio and help spread the good news of the gospel. That's a powerful thing. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryInglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything, we hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. We look forward to joining Pastor Bill again next time right here on A Transforming Word. Transforming Word